So I think we're ready. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. And God, I just want to, get, let's just stand and give him praise. He's so worthy. Lord, we're just thankful. You're so worthy of praise and glory and honor. God, we can't thank you enough. Lord, let every word that's spoken here be straight from the throne room. God, let every word be properly interpreted. Let every word be to bring glory and honor to you. And God, our goal is to make you famous here at Impact. God, we just trust you. We trust you, Lord to care for your people, to answer the prayers, to he- to answer your word, Lord, to respond to your word. God, we so trust you. And God, we just pray peace in the hearts of those who are struggling in their their bodies, their physical bodies, even their emotional bodies, Father God, that you would just give them peace, that peace that passes all understanding. And God, we thank you in Jesus' holy, mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, I started last week with Nehemiah. I love Nehemiah, don't you? And um, I'm going to mention him maybe once or twice. (laughs) So in a sense, I'm kind of continuing with it. But, you know, he was called for a specific purpose. It was, you know, it's kind of interesting in the way the Lord sets you up. Because back earlier in the week, we were talking, Terry and I were talking, I said, I think I'm going to do this, guard your heart. But it's going to be focused around for such a time as this. And then Friday, we get invited, excuse me, to see Sight and Sound, the first live performance on Queen Esther. I don't know if anyone saw that. That is absolutely phenomenal. If they do, if they do rerun it or make a DU, we're going to get it. It's so it was so touching. Just the message was incredible. How'd we do? See there. Fear no more. Eight hundred and sixty-five dollars. And we don't even have all the church here. You guys are awesome. You're always so awesome. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So that brother can breathe easy now. Praise the Lord. So for such a time as this, and, and you know, we are called for such a time as this. I hope you see that. I don't care how old you are, how educated you are, how young you are, how uneducated you are. You were called for such a time as this. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Now, that was a fairly respected position, especially for the king. But like I said, why didn't he call a prophet and a priest? Why didn't he call some big, big name guy? You know, God called a cupbearer. Let me tell you, you may be that cupbearer today. God is calling us for such a time as this. And, and I believe that Nehemiah, and I, I read this scripture last week, Nehemiah 2.12. He says, then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. And I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do. See, Nehemiah's heart was fixed on what God had said for him to do. And if our hearts aren't fixed on what God has said for us to do and to accomplish in this season, we're going to be wandering everywhere. We're going to be going this way or going that way. We're going to be up and down. We're going to be believing one thing one minute. The next, the next day, we're going to be believing something else. But he had purposed in his heart. He had purposed in his heart. And only a fixed heart can respond the way that Nehemiah responded. And, you know, when Nehemiah got a lot of flack or a lot of, you know, Sanballat and Tobias never did give him any rest. Don't we see that a lot with some of the accusations going on both sides everywhere? You know, if somebody says that the wall is blue, somebody else said he said it was green. I mean, it's crazy what we hear, isn't it? But this is what Nehemiah said when they, when the messengers came to taunt him again, trying to pull him down. He said, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. And that's what we should say. I'm too busy doing what God has called. I don't have time to come down and deal with you. I don't have time to come down and deal with your pettiness. I don't have time to come down and deal with your lies. I don't have time to get in useless arguments with you. 
You know, my precious brother asked me a couple, he, I think he mentioned this too, about uh, somebody was complaining to him about a woman pastor and he wanted to give, he wanted me to give him scripture. And I said, I don't have time to deal with that. They just need to go read their Bible. You're not going to convince somebody that's already made up their mind anyway, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I, this wasn't my idea. Let me tell you, it was God's idea. And so we just don't have time to deal with people who are not not serious about what the Word of God says, right? We love people. We love people. You know we love people. But don't waste your time get dealing with foolishness, okay? But it's so important that we guard our hearts. And we have to purpose in our heart to complete what God has called us to do. What has He called you individually to do? Ask yourself that. What has God called me to do? Lizzie, it may just be being the most awesome student in your class if you ever get a class again. You know, hopefully we're going to be getting classes soon. Or it may be to be that person, that evangelist on your work site. And you don't have to say a word to evangelize, do you? You just have to reveal the goodness of God, the love of God. Let them see that power and that presence inside of us. Be the most successful businessman that you can be. Be a person of integrity. I'm telling you, God is raising up the marketplace in this day we're in. Because the marketplace, you know, I love what John Kelly said to us one time. How do you change a town? You buy it. What did he mean by that? He meant you create enough, you create enough wealth in the businesses that all the business owners are Christian. You've literally bought the town, right? That's how you change a city. You, you buy the city, so to speak. And so it's very important that we guard our hearts and we must purpose in our hearts. Whatever God has said for you to do, don't look at what God has said for, for Deborah to do and say, I'm going to do what Deborah does. Well, that may not be what God's called you to do. He may have called you to do something different, and he most likely has because he doesn't need two Debras, right? But he needs people like Deborah in other areas. So we have to understand that, that we are called for such a time as this, and there's going to be many attempts to attack our heart, to steal away that commitment and that devotion to God. And I believe in my lifetime, we are living in the most critical time of my entire lifetime. All 40 years, we are. So (laughs) I don't understand why they're laughing. (laughs) Well, I have been a believer 41 years. So all my 41 years, it's this new creation. That's right. That's my story. But what does it mean when we talk about guarding our hearts? What does it mean to you when we talk about guarding our hearts? We have to understand first and foremost that the word of God has to be taken in context of how those who wrote the scripture wrote the scripture. We have to understand that. So when we talk about heart, a heart, we're thinking about this thing that's pumping blood, right? This anatomical thing that's in the center of our chest. We say, well, my heart's okay. That's not what they were talking about when they were talking about when they wrote the scripture. What they were talking about was something much, much more than that. And the ancients, ancient people viewed the heart as the center of hidden emotional, intellectual, and moral activity. That was the heart. But today, even scientists, and I've shown you this slide before back s- several years ago. Uh, this is from Alexander Lloyd, and it's out of his book, Beyond Willpower. Somebody just asked me this week, do you have this book? And I said, I don't think so. It was in my Kindle library. So anyway, so this is what he said. Now he's a, he's a neuroscientist, psychologist, whatever, but he is, uh, he, he wrote the secret principles of achieving success in life, love, and happiness. But this is what he said. Now as a scientist, one of the most exciting breakthroughs in our time is the fact that science is now starting to quantify 
these ancient spiritual principles and verify not only the existence of our spiritual heart, but how it is the source of everything that happens in our lives, both good and bad. True spirituality has always been aligned with true science, and we're seeing more and more evidence of that today. We've talked a lot about the, the heart neuroscience in, in recent years, you know, because it, it fascinates me that all have the connection that God has made and how, you know, science doesn't prove the word, it, it just confirms the word. You know, God has just revealed and opened up man's eyes to see some of these scientific truths that confirm his word. Dr. Bruce Lipton, and he's one of my favorite authors on this epigenetics. But his research state, and listen to this, that the subconscious and the unconscious mind is over one million times stronger than the conscious mind. See, the conscious mind is that you chose to wear what you wore today. The subconscious mind might be, why did you choose to wear that? Who are you trying to impress or whatever it might be? Or maybe you're trying to impress no one. But this is, this is what he says is this is where willpower resides and this is why we often fail at the diet Self-help programs, self-help groups, because we've got this subconscious mind or heart that's one million times more powerful than the conscious mind to say, I really want to lose those way, that way. I really want to quit my drugs. I really want to stop pornography. I really want to quit, excuse me, quit lying. And say, but we've got this subconscious mind that has programmed us that's, that's one million times stronger. And what do we do? We just get frustrated because we're falling again one more time. Well, what do you do when a computer has a bad program? You reprogram it, right? And that's what we have to do. We have to reprogram our minds or we're going to keep hearing the same old tape. We're going through the same old loop like a little hamster on a, on a cage, you know. So the subconscious mind is the real program and it will always override the conscious mind. Always override if they're not in harmony. If they're not in harmony. As you can say, the subconscious rules, right? The subconscious rules. So the tools we need to be successful have to address this unconscious mind and not the conscious mind. That's why we do Luke 418, because we're getting to the root. We're getting back into the conscious mind. We're trying to get to where those areas are broken, those things that have been, where this, this program has been put in place that's keeping us on this self-fulfilled uh, prophecy or, or fulfillment of, of failure. So we have the virus, and just like a computer in your, uh, has a virus, we have viruses, and many times our viruses will overrun our life and we're not doing what we want to do. So the spiritual heart is the source of all memories and it's the source from which all that we know flows. Uh, also, and Dr. Lipton says, cellular memories are stored in our spiritual heart. We said that before, the trauma, you know, trauma, the, the memory of trauma is stored in our cellular memory. We've all been through some, that's what PTSD is all about. So God designed us so incredibly wonderful. And so, so the, the subconscious mind or the heart, I'm using these interchangeably, it's where all this programming is stored. But see, we have a reprogramming tool. It's called the Word of God. We have a reprogramming tool. And when the Word of God is in our hearts, it changes our belief system. It changes everything about us. It changes the way we think, the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we act. And so, and you know, we know that Jesus understood this. If we look at, look at Luke 6, 45, it says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows with what is in your heart. So every one of us have a heart, right? Every one of us have either a good heart or a bad heart to some level, Right? 
What, 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 to what level is your heart good or bad? You, we can, how do we know what kind of heart we have? What comes out of our mouth? By what comes out of our mouth. And you know, this is why people can say many times, I really believe God wants to heal me, but their hearts haven't, they're not convinced in their hearts. They're really not convinced. I really believe God wants to prosper me, but he's not, they're not convinced in their hearts. It's in their head, but until it gets into our heart, you know, I was telling somebody, we were talking about this this week, and I said, that's what Mark eleven twenty four and 25 is all about. I may even have this in a scripture. He says, it's when you believe, confess with your mouth, that's your brain, your conscious mind, and believe in your heart. When those two are in harmony, you can ask anything. You can move a mountain. You can ask anything and it'll be done for you. That's what the words. So what is he talking? He's talking about the conscious mind, the subconscious mind. When we get those two in harmony, what's going to happen? Pow, Katie, bar the door. Anything you ask for is going to happen. But we have to constantly be filling our minds with the word of God and, and the promises of God. And then over in Matthew 15, he says, but what comes out of your mouth? And this is when they were asking Jesus about things that defile people. He says, but what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. What comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. Words can pollute, not food. You know, this is a scripture the Lord gave me several years ago when uh, Terry said he was going to bring Todd Bentley to the church back in 07, 08. And I, and I said, okay, great, who is he? At the time, I hadn't seen him. And, I, and he said, here he is. And he was tattooed from head to foot. And I said, oh, we can't do that. <laughs> and the Lord said, you better check your heart. And so I began to look at what he had done. And I saw the, now forget about what's happening today. But there was a lot of miracles, healing, salvations took place. And the Lord took me to the scripture. And he says, you're going to find living within an impure heart, evil desires, murderous thoughts, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lies, and slander. That's what pollutes a person. Eating with unwashed hands won't defile anyone. It's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you. It's not what you put even on your skin, even though I'm preferably, I don't like tattoos, but that's you. That's okay. That's good. They're, some of them are cute, you know, but, but, you know, that's just you. But that's not going to defile you. It's not going to make you less than, right? You're just as, I mean, some people don't like certain types of clothes. That's, that doesn't make you a believer, a better believer or not. It's just who you are right? But it's what goes into the heart that defiles and it's what goes into the heart that also makes a person righteous and that's the word of God. So good people have good hearts and their hearts are programmed to do what is good. Bad people have evil hearts. They're programmed to do contrary to what is good, right? So if we look at all that's going on in the earth today and the lying and the cheating and the murders and the adulteries and the immoralities, we have to say that our heart has an evil, our nation has an evil heart. But you know what? If my people who are called by my name, will turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, repent, pray. He says, I'll heal the land. And so we believe the word of God. So the, the, the Bible has always viewed the heart as being the center of who a person is. If we look at 1 Samuel 16, remember when, when Samuel was told to go and look for uh, the new king, the next king, and all of Jesse's sons were being, oh, surely this is the one, surely this is the one, surely this is the one. And as it turned out, it was... David, but what did God say to Samuel? He said, I don't look at the outside. I look at the heart of man. So I'm looking at the motivations of the heart. And that might be why some people, and I want you to think about this. You'd be like, why isn't God letting me do this? And why isn't God letting me do that? What's your motivation? Is it for public uh, glory? Is it for selfish ambitions? Or is it to give God the glory and the credit? 
Is it to make God famous in all that we do? Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. See, we act upon what's in our heart, right? So the content of the heart will certainly dictate the actions that we have. And so we have to learn to guard our hearts. So I'm going to use, this was in our reading this week, and September 4th was Proverbs 4. I love, I love reading this out of the um, Passion Translation, but I'm going to give it to you today out of the New Living, most of it. But I want you to think about, I want you to think that Jesus is speaking this to you, okay? He says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart where they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. So I did a little, you know, looking up some words here and that don't lose sight. This is what it means from the, um, one of the lexicons that I have. It means the process whereby a person concentrates on some features of the environment to the relative exclusion of everything else. He's saying, you look at this word and you exclude everything else. And then that word penetrate means not just to, to enter in, but it, you're, it's entered in in such a way that it conforms your action or practice to whatever you're observing. So what he's saying is he says you exclude everybody else's opinion, you exclude what you're hearing on the news, you exclude whatever your friends are saying, and you, and you only listen to my word, and then you allow your life to be conformed to that. Yeah, I, I tell this all the time, but so many years ago, probably 40 years ago, I was so, you know, I was, God, this doesn't make sense. How could this be? How could that be? My whole scientific mind was throwing crazy. And the Lord finally, he just said, you decide who you're going to believe. You decide who you're going to believe. And I said, okay, I choose to believe the word. It was that quick, just that simple. So whether I understood it or not, I believed it. And you can do that. You don't have to understand something to believe it, right? Or to use it. I don't understand half of what I use in life, computers, technology, cars, but I use them and they work well right? So we, we have to choose, am I going to believe this word or am I going to believe something else? Am I going to believe what Fox News and MSNBC and CNN and all these others are saying? Or am I going to believe what this word says to me? And let me tell you, if you, you're going you're gonna to feel schizophrenic if you watch one news station one time and flip it over to another and flip it. You're going to feel like you're doing this. You're going to think, are we talking about the same people? Is this the same world? <laughs> yeah. So we have to fill our thoughts with his word until they penetrate so deeply into our spirit that everything in life is judged against this word. We don't have an opinion outside of this word. Everything we do in life is in the context of this word. Can we get to that place? Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's the NLT. The complete Jewish Bible says, this, this is my favorite, above everything else, guard your heart for it's the source of life's consequences. Think about that. In your heart is the source of life's consequences, good or bad. I think one of the translations, maybe it's another chapter says, with the fruit of your lips, you must be satisfied whether for good or whether for evil. In other words, what you speak, you're going to get what you say. You're going to be satisfied with what you say. So if, if the word of God says I'm healed and you're, oh, I don't know when, when I'm going to die. God's going to, I mean, I don't know why God's going to answer me. I don't know. I'm just going to die, die, die. And that's all you hate, say. You know what you're going to do? You're going to die, die, die. Right? And if, yeah. 
And if you, if you think, I'm always going to be broke, I'm always going to be broke, you know what? Your mind's set to make you broke. Won't you say, what I put my hands to prospers, because this word says it does, but it's because I do certain things, right? All of you that gave, and, and I know some of you may be wanting to and couldn't, that's okay, but the ones of you that gave, let me tell you something, God's going to give back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking. There's no doubt in my mind. You might as well get ready for the haul, okay? God, there's something special about helping those that are that are poor and needy, and I mean, we've all been there, right? So there's something special about that. But our heart contains all of, it's the source of life's consequences. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all, this is the passion, guard the affections of your heart. What is your heart in love with? What is your heart in love with? For they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Wow, this is, this is, Pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? You know, I think this, long before um, Dr. Bruce Lipton knew all about these epigenetics, God knew all about them first, right? God already knew what, how he had designed the heart, the brain, and all that other good stuff. But we're in a very critical time. We're in a very critical time. And most people that I speak to do not understand the criticalness of the day we're in, unfortunately. Most people do not understand the criticalness of the day we're in. And that's, we pray God open the people's heart. Six months ago, God was saying, pray that their eyes of their understanding would be open. Pray that they can hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The church, he's talking to the church. The church is the only one to combat the evil. And the enemy will use tactics to steal the affections of your heart. He'll use, he'll use attitudes. He'll use opinions. He'll use, he'll use anger. He'll use racism. He'll use convenience, selfish ambition, all of these things to steal the affections of your heart. Because sometimes we don't see the big picture because we're so consumed with the little, you know, we can't see the forest for the trees. We're so consumed putting out these little fires. We can't really see the big picture, what's really going on. And what's going on is that this nation is at stake. This nation is at stake. But forget all that. Maybe some of you are just struggling with life problems. Some of you might just be struggling with the sickness, and that's a reality. We don't make light of that. But let me tell you, there's a promise in God's word for everything. What'd you, what was that you said, Brenda? What does Deborah say? Where's your scripture? That's great. That's a great teaching. Where's your scripture on that? You're sick in your body? Where's your scripture? What does it say? Now, it also is important to hear the voice of the Lord because he might be telling you, you go to your doctor, you do exactly what your doctor says. We know that God uses doctors just like he uses bankers, right? Just, just like he uses technicians on your computer, just like the guy that fixed our dishwasher this week. He uses all that, right? I didn't just sit there and pray, God, in the name of Jesus, I declare that dishwasher to start working. He's going to say, well, you might need to call the repair guy. <laughs> and we did. Yeah, Terry could have fixed it, right? <laughs> That's a joke at our house. But but regardless of what you're going through, I want you to know that the answer is right here. The answer is right here. And God will speak wisdom into your heart. So we have to understand that whatever is in our heart, we are responsible for. You can't blame someone else for what's in your heart. We're responsible for everything that's in our heart. We have to be accountable to that. Let me tell you, I've had some things in my heart I didn't like before. And I say, God... I'm not liking what I'm feeling. I'm not liking what I'm thinking. I need your help in getting this out of my heart. And you know what? The Holy Spirit comes in and he'll just pull it out. Why? I recognized it. I repented. 
And then, you know, we, none of us are able to do it anyway, right? It's the Holy Spirit. So we have to go to the Holy Spirit. God, if you're struggling with a, a, a habit, an addiction, whether it's, you know, mine is sweets, you know, I'm doing better. But because it's fast I'm coming up with. And I say, God, I just got to get rid of this sweet tooth I have. And I'm not wanting it so much anymore. So I, mean, I think God is doing a work. And, you know, we, he doesn't have to send you an email and say, okay, we're going to do steps one, two, and three today. He just does it. He'll get rid of the anger. He'll get rid of the resentment. He'll get rid of those broken areas, that cellular memory of trauma where we've been abused or mistreated. I loved what Deborah said in, when she was talking about communion. You know, we've all, Jesus was beaten and broken unjustly, wasn't he? He was accused unjustly. He died unjustly, and he never opened his mouth. He never opened his mouth. So verse 24 says, this is kind of how we can do this. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. What's dishonest speech? Lies. Lies. Fake news, right? Fake news. Lies. And it doesn't matter which side you're on. Fake news is fake news and it's there for everybody, right? Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose. With fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. That's another thing. We're, that's why we're doing 40 days of preparation for our 40 days of fasting. Is it, it's time, Let's start sloughing off distractions, whatever they might be. You know what your distractions are. They're going to be different for different people. He says, watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. We have got to be fixed. I tell you, young people in here, stay fixed on what God has. God's got a destiny inside of you. He's got a calling inside of you. Stay fixed on that calling. Stay fixed on that purpose. Every one of you, and I don't care how you grew up, how you're growing up, what you're going through, God has a plan for you. And let, I just want to pray. Father, I just, I just lift up our young people that's here and those that aren't here, God. God, we just call out that destiny that you've implanted in their heart when they were being formed in their mother's womb. God, we call out that plan. We call out that destiny. And we break the power of the enemy from trying to distract them or to persuade them in another way. God, I pray that you would capture the hearts of our young people. And Lord, keep them so entangled with you, Lord. Let them be the bright lights. Let them be the Esthers, the the Davids, the Daniels, the Samuels, Lord, even at an early age. Father, I thank you for it. Lord, put your hand upon Put your warring angels around all of our children to protect and guide and direct them, Lord. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Stick to that path. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked. So the heart is... And that's why the Lord told the parents in Deuteronomy 6, what did he say? He said, you give them the word getting up. You give them the word when they go out. You give them the word when they come in. You give them the word when they go... What are you doing? You're programming their heart. You train up a child in the way they should go. That's not by just bringing them to Sunday school, right? That's putting the word of God in their hearts. You're programming their little hearts. And that's what we need to do. Now, there comes a time when they're going to have to make a decision on their own, right? But I'm guaranteeing you, if they got the word of God in them, he's going to draw them back like a fish hook. He's going to say, okay, it's time for you to come back. And he's going to start pulling them back. I believe that. I've seen it with my own children. They're awesome. And so we can get distracted when we're not agreeing with what the Word of God says. Because let me tell you, as soon as you're questioning something, the devil's going to send you something to say, oh, well, God didn't really... Did, did God really mean you couldn't eat any tree in the garden? I'm sure Eve was sitting there thinking, boy, that's a good-looking fruit. 
I sure would like to have a body of that truth in here because the devil would, you know, did God really say you couldn't eat that? Don't you think God really wants you to be like him? The devil's a cunning liar. James 1.21 says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, what? The implanted word. The implanted word. That word implanted means marked by being deeply fixed or set within something, engrafted, fixed position to set permanently in the consciousness or habit patterns. That's what all that means in the Greek. So he says it's the implanted word that saves your soul. Not the subcon- not the conscious, but the subconscious word. And then that word save, of course, is the word sozo, and it means deliver, save, make whole, make well from disease, preserve, make save, all those incredible things that we need from God. So he says it's the implanted word. That's what Proverbs is talking about. You guard your heart. You put the word in it. You let it penetrate, and that word is going to save your soul. It's going to save your family. It's going to save your health. It's going to save your finances. It's going to save your mental status. John fifteen seven said, If you live in me, abide vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. You see, now here, a lot of people misunderstand this because they're thinking, oh, I can just have whatever I want. I think I want a a dark black Mercedes. Well, if God told you to have that, that's okay. But see, what this means is if I'm vitally united to Jesus, whatever he desires is what I'm going to desire. And he's going to know if I can handle that black Mercedes, right? Or if he knows if I'm going to be strutting down the street and it's going to be a distraction for me, right? God knows everything. God, you, you'll have desires. I'm telling you, I had no idea about the things I was going to do to black him born again. And suddenly God's whipping me out of corporate America and into the thing he really called me to do. Most people miss it because they never really know what God has planned for them because they're not living totally committed to him. But when we make that commitment, God then begins to pull us back. Now, this is what I called you to do. This is what I called you to do. So the word has to be implanted in our heart. And, and I mentioned Mark eleven twenty three and 24. That's what it says. When the heart and the subconscious mind agree, you can do anything. You can pray for anything that's going to happen. Amen? So how do we guard our heart? Two ways, I believe. Maybe more. This is what came to my mind. Of course, I've said it all, all the morning. We have to fill our minds with the word of God. That word serves as a standard when, for anything else that en- enters our mind. Mine. So when we're, we got the word of God in our hearts and we're filled with that and then we hear somebody say something that's wrong, we say, ooh, that's not right. You know, like we're saying, that goes tilt. Something's wrong here. Or we start watching something. We say, mm, that ain't right. I shouldn't be watching that. That's in, uh, contrary to the word of God. Tilt. I'm leaving this. Or whatever it might be. So we have to fill our minds Matthew twenty two twenty nine. Jesus answered them, you are deluded. What does that mean? Deceived, right? You are deceived, you're deluded because your hearts are not filled with the revelation of scriptures or the power of God. See, when we don't know the true, the true meaning of the word, we start making up things that kind of make sense to us, right? Well, let's just do church this way or let's do church that way. That's why we have a gazillion different denominations. One person has an opinion about this. One person has an opinion about that. We have an opinion about this. Somewhere in all of that, there's a truth, right? So what it is basically saying, I'm going here because I like better what they do. Well, how does that liking, how does it agree with the word of God? Well, they don't believe that people heal and therefore it's not a big responsibility. Well, but the word of God says you are healed, right? Well, they don't believe in women preachers. Well, I'm just telling you, read your Bible for Pete's sakes. Anyway, 
So that's number one. Number two, we have to guard our ear and our eye gates. Guard our ear and our eye gates. <laughs> Listen to what David said in Psalm 101. I will set no base or wicked thing before my eyes. I would ask you to put, put that on your television. Seriously. Just put a little, I will set no base or wicked thing before my eyes. What comes through that thing will mold your mind. Our kids, are, their minds are being controlled and developed and molded around the internet. I've said it for years. We're discipling our children with the internet. Pornography now has dropped from the earliest age of 11 down to 7. Why is that? Because there's such easy access for kids. The cell phone, the computers. Can you believe it? Can you imagine that? So I will set no base or wicked thing before my eyes. Number second is Ephesians 5, 4. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. What do we hear? What do we see? What do we listen to? On the job, do people think they can tell dirty jokes around you? If they do, there's a reason they think that. Do people think they can gossip to you? If they do, there's a reason they think that. They think, well, you must be safe territory, so I'm going to go tell Deborah what I believe about Debbie. Because I'm going to feel good because Debbie did something I didn't like, so I just got to get it out. Debbie, Deborah's going to take my side. Well, Deborah should say, well, you need to go back and get a hold of your heart. Right? We have to focus on the word. Again, I want to say, Nehemiah, he said, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do. What has God put in your heart? You've got to protect it. Just quickly, just some starting points. And these are just kind of some things that, probably other things here, but we need to repent by cleansing our heart from things. And I just put a bunch of stuff up here, okay? Uh, Unhealthy soul ties. Going back. Repenting of unhealthy soul ties. Those of you who have been in Luke 4, 18, you know what that means. That's unhealthy union with people or organizations. Spiritual abuse falls under this category. If you've been spiritually abused, that's an unhealthy soul tie. You need to break it. Generational sins of the fathers and mothers, attitudes, prejudice, habits. These things that are, that are fed to us as children. These generational issues. We need to break those things. I'm, let me add fear. Fear is a biggie. That's a generational issue. Secret societies, Illuminati, Freemasons, Bilderberg, Skull and Bones, all of these secret societies that are anti-God. How about false religions? Any religion that does not profess Jesus as the only way to salvation. Jesus is the only way. It doesn't matter what anybody on TV tells you. It doesn't matter what any preacher tells you. He's the only way. That's what. If that's not the case, you have to throw this away. He says, there's no other way that they can go to the Father but by me. So if you don't believe that, you have to just throw it all away, right? How do we pick and choose? Past occult involvement, Ouija boards, horoscopes, tarot cards, tea leaves, crystal balls, seances, horror movies, Halloween's coming up. We need to be careful there. You're opening your door for the, your heart for the enemy. Unrepented sins of hatred, prejudice, immorality, and greed. Maybe you're still involved in some of these things. Well, I don't hate anybody. Well, do you? What do you think about when you see somebody of a different color? See somebody of a different political party? Is there hatred in your heart? 
I tell you, we pray for all people to have their hearts sensitive to Holy Spirit. Regardless of what your political persuasion is, wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody knew Jesus? If everybody was one body, I think a lot of this would go away. How about persistent unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment? Still thinking about what happened 20, 30, 50 years ago. Hebrews 12, 15 says that defiles the body. That stains the body with demonic processes, what that means. And then ungodly, ungodly thought system. That's simply anything that disagrees with the Word of God. Anything that disagrees with the Word of God. I'm going to close by reading Ephesians 4. I'm going to read this out of the Passion. I want you to stand if you will. And I want you to think about what's in your own heart. Okay? It's this easy. All you have to do is say, God, forgive me. That's all you have to do. God, forgive me. Take this away from my heart. Remove this. God, I, it's, it's, I have this anger toward this coworker. I don't know why, God, but if you don't do something, I'm going to do it again. I'm going I'm to blaze out of that person again. That's my true story. And you know what, God, just like that, took it out of my heart. That's how awesome he is. But Ephesians 4, starting with verse 17, says, So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Why do they walk in delusions? Because they don't know the truth. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Because of spiritual apathy, that's another thing to repent from. They surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. Why? Because there's nothing there to check it. There's nothing there to check it. But this is not the way of the life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old man, the old self-life, which is corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within you as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. So discard every form of dishonesty and lying since you will be known as one who always speaks truth. For we all belong to one another. But don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even one day. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. And if any one of you has stolen from someone, never do it again. Instead, be industrious, earning an honest living. And then you'll have enough to bless those in need. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or be taken for granted for, or take for granted His holy influences in your lives. Now listen to this. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, 
revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Let me tell you, we know when our hearts aren't right, don't we? And sometimes it's little tiny things. I'm going to give you an example. It's not you. (laughs) Thank goodness, he said. So we're going to pick up a meal at Olive Garden, taking it to some friends, church people. And we had all this wonderful thing, and I ordered the special dip for the bread. Got to the house, no bread. So what did I do? I picked up the phone, and I let her know we didn't have bread in that bag. And she said, well, you want to come and get it? No, I don't want to come in. Don't you think my food's going to be cold by the time I get there and get back? I said, just just give me credit on my credit card for that sauce. And I, and I thought, that's not even who I am. So I thought, okay, I, I, forgive me, Lord. The next morning we go out to breakfast. I order, as I always do at this restaurant, my rye toast grilled, and it comes with no butter. And I'm thinking, what are they thinking? Don't they know I get butter on my rye toast grilled every day? But you know what it did? It pointed out in my heart that something wasn't right in my heart. Well, we had a horrible week, really. I mean, just all this stuff going on in our life, you know, with stuff. And so I was a little on the edge. But you know what? It, I, I had to pull aside and say, okay, God, this is not who I am. It, who cares whether there's butter on the toast? Who, I didn't need the bread anyway, right? And the, and the dipping sauce was only $3. You know, but it's just those little things that our heart starts acting up. We start getting short. We start complaining. We start, you know, we just start doing stuff that's not who we really are. And what we have to do, we have to just pull ourselves away and say, God, I just need a minute with you. You're the only one that can change my heart. And I'm asking you to heal me. Forgive me. Anybody else? Is that anybody but me? So I want you just to, I'm just going to pray for you in general today. You, you know how to pray. God, take away the things of our heart. God, I thank you for revealing our hearts to us. God, I thank you for showing me my little stinking attitude this last couple of days. God, I thank you for that. I thank you, God, that you're also faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse my heart of that attitude. So, Lord, I thank you for that. I ask you to just reach down into the hearts of every person. God, these are good people. They love you. They desire to know you, Lord. They desire to do that thing you call them to do. Father, I pray especially for our little ones, Lord. Let their hearts remain pure. Our young ones, Lord, let their hearts remain pure. Protect them from evil influences of the environment they live in or school or whatever it might be. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are always there to give us exactly what we need. So, Lord, I pray blessing. I pray your face to shine upon every one of us. I pray great favor to fall upon us in the mighty name of Jesus. And, Lord, let us truly have a goal to make you famous in Concord. We declare it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God is good. I would say give everybody a holy hug, but if you can do it within six feet, that's good.